Today we want to talk about these magi and the gifts that they brought. Now, do you remember Steve talked about the trouble he went to to find a toy washing machine for his little girl when she was five or six because he wanted to show how much he cared. So point one, the magi had taken some trouble. They were, they were nobility. They were from the east. Now, east of Judea, if you go east from Jerusalem, there isn't much there until you get to Babylon. And Persia, the Magi, were the ruling astrologer class of the ancient empire of Persia. They were educated men and women. They lived comfortably. And to bring their gifts, they'd had to lead that, leave that life behind for a fair trek. A trek, not across, as the song says, which we're not going to do this morning, um, about fields and fountains and moors and mountains, across instead a thousand miles of desert, the Iranian desert, the Iraqi desert, the Syrian desert, and the Judean desert. A hard journey that took some effort. And of course, all the way back again. Now, put your hand up if you've ever been on a camel. An amazing number of people. Now, I was on a camel once uh, 20 years ago. Mark Haig and I, before he was married, were on a package holiday to Tunisia. And in our naivety, we allowed ourselves to be sold a genuine Bedouin experience by the holiday rep. And even to 20 years on, it's probably the worst £15 uh, we both agree that we ever spent. Because it essentially consisted of a trip out in a bus to somewhere where they served a not terribly good buffet. And three girls from the local poly uh, did a bit of belly dancing. But... But the bit I remember is it came with a camel ride and uh, all 40 or 50 of us, we climb up a ladder one by one and we wobble on top of this beast for four or five minutes. And and that was enough, uh, let alone every day, all day for up to six months. And at night when they got off their camels, Camping. Now, I have a godson, and in his family's letter it says, camping, his favourite holiday this year, and he would like to have three camping trips in 2020, to Jeanette's dismay. That's his mum. Camping is great if you're in a caravan or minivan, uh, but... um, I've been to New Wine and Greenbelt, and my last time, I think I'm getting too old to rough it now. I remember, you want to go to the loo at night, it's 200 yards in the dark, through the rain, waiting in a queue, and then somewhat uh, variable quality in the facilities. It's, It's hard going, and I probably won't ever camp again like that. So to bring their gifts to Jesus, it's six months on the back of a camel, in heat and cold and roughing it through all sorts of dangers, all without proper bathroom facilities. And they put up with all that so they could come and worship this new king. They would not be diverted by hardship. They would not be diverted by the temptations of what they would leave behind. As Paul says, they pressed on for their goal. Then there was their surprise when they got there. Have you ever wondered? You there, Sonia? Yes. Have you ever wondered? I've only just begun to wonder about it this year, not having kids myself, what the arrival of a second child must seem like to the firstborn, especially if they're only two and three. This little girl has just met her new baby brother. Everything she thought she understood about her world has changed. It's no longer her and mummy and daddy and that's it. Her whole world has been turned upside down. 
And I can remember the first time I met Jesus. And I'd been going to church. I wasn't like Steve. I'd been going to church for 30 years. And yet I never understood what it means to be saved by the love of Jesus. I'd never understood what it means to see the world the way Jesus does. So much that my eyes were opened. And the Magi and their entourage had followed this star across the desert in search of a new king. In their wisdom, they had blundered into Herod's capital, expecting a royal baby in the palace, maybe, with fanfares and trumpets and proclamations and center spreads in the newspapers if they'd had them. Because by the world standards, Herod was a great king, a tyrant and a paranoid megalomaniac, maybe, but very, very successful. For 40 years, he'd ruled an empire, a puppet kingdom, effectively, but he saw it as an empire, bigger than Solomon ruled over, kept the Romans happy, built the temple, built the great cities uh, that are still there today. Um, and murdered along the way thousands, including at least one wife, two high priests, and two of his sons to stay at the top. He was very, very uh, successful and a great king. So the Magi made a natural assumption in their experience, new stars portend the birth of a new king, but kings are born in palaces, and their parents are usually royal. Yes, thank you, thank you. Um, you're a good audience. Right, by the way, <laughs> so what do they get? What do they get? A village on the outskirts of Jerusalem, an ordinary little house, a carpenter on a career break, and his teenage wife. Nobody's, nobody's by the standards of the world, nobody by the standards of Herod, nobody's probably by the standards of the Magi when they set off. It's not how it's supposed to be. And they would have wondered. What does this say about the new king? One who serves, maybe, not one who is served. One who knows us. What does it say about his rule? The values of the kingdom he will come into. The standards he sets for us. The way, therefore, we should try to live ourselves. In meeting Jesus, their lives were changed forever as ours were the first time we met Jesus. And they did worship as they had set out to do and presented him with these costly gifts. Ah, the gifts, we always say it's the thought that counts, isn't, don't we? We always say it's the thought that counts. Think about how you chose a Christmas present for the person you care about the most. You will have chosen with great thoughtfulness. You want to say how much you love them and value them. Husbands like Steve, he said, knew that, and that's why it caused him so much angst to try and get it right, because his wife deserves his best. So you spend, whether this person is a husband or wife, or a boyfriend or girlfriend, or a parent or a child, you spend as much as you can afford, whether that's a pound or 10 pounds, or 100 pounds, you think, what would they like, and what's the very best you could give them? And the Magi had gathered their resources, equipped a six-month expedition across a thousand miles or more of desert, and taken with them gold and frankincense and myrrh, and maybe other gifts as well that we don't know about. 
Gifts appropriate for a king. Gifts that they had chosen very, very carefully. Gifts that showed how much they appreciated and wanted to worship. Because at the end of the day, it is the thought that counts. Whether it's God or whether it's a loved one, you can't behave all, all year round in one way and then think that on one day the gift will make up for that. God wants our hearts first and the rest will follow. That, of course, is our best gift. But our best gift should be going where it's deserved. Who is the recipient of the best gifts of our time, our energy, our resources, our kindness? See, Herod wanted all the worship in Judea to be coming his way, not just some poor brat in a stable somewhere, but he wasn't going to get it from the Magi. Jesus was the appropriate recipient of their devotion. Do you remember that first slide I put up when we were talking about presents? That's from my second favorite Christmas movie of all time, and it was, of course, Love Actually, yes, yes, the second greatest Christmas movie of all time, in my humble opinion, after possibly Muppet Christmas Carol. And, and in this movie, Alan Rickman uh, is a husband married to Emma Thompson, and he's buying, you could see that he was buying a lovely necklace as a Christmas present. He picked it with great care and thought and excitement about how it would go down. He paid a fortune for it. He had it wrapped by Rowan Atkinson there at great skill. And in fact, if you remember the film, it takes ages and he has to hide to avoid the surprise being uh, spoiled before Christmas. And there's only one problem with all this effort. And that was... You've seen the film. It wasn't for his wife. It wasn't for Emma Thompson. It was for his secretary, who flattering as for all middle-aged men, is after him. And worse, his wife discovers. And she got, since you're doing so well on, on movie trivia, what did his wife get? A CD. What CD? Joni Mitchell. Gosh, gosh. I would not like to be facing you guys on a quiz team. She loves Joni Mitchell. And that's why her husband got her the CD. It did take some thought. There's nothing wrong with that. He's put some thought in it, except that it's not his best thought. The adoration which she is entitled to expect as his wife that deserved belief that she is first in his heart has been destroyed and her with it. And we're left wondering how it can ever be sorted out. Because you see, it's possible to be giving of our best, but just not giving where our best is deserved. And while I was writing this this week, I've been forced to reflect on the fact that I and probably all of us sometimes do give of our best, Sometimes we don't give God of our best, and sometimes we do give of our best, but just not to God. Our best time, our best financial resources, our best affections uh, is going somewhere else, but not to God and his purposes. Uh, when Mark and I were in Tunisia, I got a souvenir for something like 50 pence, and it was a genuine, a genuine Roman coin. Absolutely genuine, apparently. I was sworn it was true. And for about a month, probably really Mark's not here this morning, because he will remember buying this, and he will remember how for the next year, probably, every time I met him, I would hold it out and say, whose head do you see on this coin? Just like Jesus asked. And because, of course, when Jesus asked that question and someone said, well, it's Caesar's, Jesus said, well, if it's Caesar's, give it to Caesar, but make sure you render unto God 
that which is due to God, which is the first place in your heart, in your energies, in your ambitions, in your time. Uh, Can we have the band just back up, please, just while I do the last slide? And then it was time to start the long journey home, not going back through uh, Jerusalem to meet Herod uh, for reasons that were clear. Um, The long, dangerous, saddle-sore, domestic facilities limited journey back home, but changed forever by that meeting they had had with Jesus. So in summary, and I know it's been quite short this morning, and that's intentional, what can we take from the story? What do I take from the story? Firstly, the effort. When we first met with Jesus, we started on a journey, and that journey will have easy times and wonderful times, but it will also have Tough times. And the Bible says, Paul says, we should run our race with perseverance, with determination, not giving up, not looking backwards, not being distracted to the sides, but looking towards the finishing line that awaits us, following not the star any longer, but Jesus, as John's gospel says, the true light that gives life to everywhere, to everyone. And keeping our eyes on the goal, because the effort is worth it. Secondly, the surprise, the person we're called to worship when we met Jesus for the first time changed our worldview forever, changed all our perceptions. But perhaps that's gone a little stale. And if it has, it's time to get out our Bibles, to spend that time in prayer and Bible study and allow ourselves to be challenged and changed again. Unlike Ebenezer Scrooge, we should not need three visits uh, from spirits in the night to call us back to what we know to be right and to live the way, to live the life of generosity, but joy as well that following Jesus includes. And finally, the thought... We need to constantly ask ourselves, are we bringing our best, our lives from this Sunday to the next Sunday to Jesus as our worship? And like the Magi, we'll each bring a different gift because we have different talents and are in different situations and face different obstacles in life. But it does have to be our best. And the overlap of that is, is our best always going to the King of Kings? born in that manger in Bethlehem, or is it going somewhere else at least some of the time? And as we set off on our journey, like the Magi, we can remember that it all started with an encounter with the one true king overall. Let's pray briefly, and then we'll worship. Father God, we thank you that you gave the best present of all to us, a saviour for all of us, rich, poor, shepherds, kings, whoever we are, whatever we've done. And we ask that we repay that by bringing our best to you and bringing our best only to you and always to you. And help us be challenged by that. Our worship now should reflect the worship we want to bring you by the way we live our lives when we leave this place. And we ask this in the name of your son, the new king, the Lord of all, Jesus. Amen.